Previously on Talking Joe. Whoa, that, that, that is time up on minutes. 10 Minute Mando. Oh, we didn't even get to talk about IG-11. Well, that's tough. We got 10 minutes and that's the end of it. You'll have to save that till the next one. Or, or Dave Filoni, his first yeah, no, it's tough. live action. Yeah, tough. Um, yeah, long time um, John Favreau writing. Yeah, no, that's done. That's done. Uh, 10 minutes. That's all you get. It's not It's not the 10 minutes and 20 seconds, Mando. Okay, I get it. You have spoken. Yes, yes. That's the rules of the game. Anyway... Talking Joe is on the air, and here are your hosts, Chief and Mark. Hey, 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 it's me, the Chief, D-O-G, how do I spell it? D-O-G-G-Y, D-O-G-G, that's me, the Chief Doggy Dog, uh, joined by you, Mark, <laughs> why not? I'm just going to add on an extra an extra bunch of K's and an I-E, or maybe a Y, that's who right. knows how it's written, we're saying that's out how- well, that's how the gangsters roll. Mm. So uh, we're, we're down with the crew. Yeah, we're, I was we're, raised we're on the street. I said we're jive uh, to it. Um, yeah, a nice leafy street in the suburbs. But, that's um, it, that's it. Was, it. It was a street. <laughs> uh, how are you, my friend? Yeah, good. Nice to be back with you. Episode yeah. number two. Episode number two of the new crew. Um, he, he's lasted more than I thought he would. So that's good news. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. What have you been up to? Anything interesting? Oof, well, I've been doing homework for the show. Yes, so very good. I've been uh, seeing how, how it all works behind the uh, magic curtain. Bought a microphone. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully sounding a little bit more pro than it was uh, last last week. And um, very good. Yeah, just getting dragged into this action figure addiction. So, oh, are you? Yeah. So uh, two two purchases made this, this week. <laughs> very good, very good. So there we go. Yeah, nice, nice. Um, what about yourself? I finished watching the Bonds, so or the, the Daniel Craig Bonds. Okay. Um, well, all three. I, oh, no, how many is it? Four. Four. four yeah. In one so, week? on reflection, having watched them the first time around, I thought they were all guff. Having rewatched them now for the first time, I actually thought Casino Royale was fairly enjoyable. I thought Quantum of Solace was the best of the four, which is widely regarded as the worst of the four. Uh, I just liked the fact that it was about one hour forty-five, and all the others are about two hours twenty. Okay, so, it's the shortest time, so most enjoyable. Yep, there you go. Okay, and it right. felt just like a kind of old school. Um, but the villain was maybe a bit weak, but I thought it just felt a bit more Bondish. Then the third one was Skyfall. That's a bunch of turd. And then <laughs> the fourth one was Spectre. Now those last two are directed by Sam Mendes. That's completely right, yeah. the wrong, completely the wrong director for this type of movie. Completely the wrong director. But, yeah, I just thought... You see, Roger is always going to be the best Bond, and he has a lot of one-liners, which is what I like, a lot of what makes up my like of those movies and his delivery. Now, Skyfall, I think, probably had more one-liners than every Bond movie ever put together, but they all felt forced and stilted and no payoff and bad punchlines. But anyway, let's move on. I thought those last two were pretty turd. I was because I was thinking about going to see the fifth one at the movies, but now I'm not. I don't think I'm going to. Oh. The other thing I've been doing, which I think you might have done, is been consuming quite a lot of this uh, Hasbro PulseCon malarkey over the last couple of days. Well, yeah, sort of seeing it come through on the uh, on the socials, and uh, I don't think I've gone uh, quite quite in in as far as you have. It sounds like you've been well, properly immersed in it all. Well, no, I watched. Um, I forgot it was on, so I, I watched a couple of hours yesterday UK time, sort of between. Eight, uh, I don't know. I watched. I watched a bit of on catch up between like eight and ten p.m. And then at ten p.m. I went onto a few of the UK toy selling sites, and a couple of them crashed. 
for me within a couple of minutes of getting on. I did manage to get onto one of them and got a pre-order for the Star Wars Black Series Mandalorian Armourer mm-hmm. figure. Newly announced, and, see. yeah, very nice. And got a pre-order for the Boba Fett Return of the Jedi figure. Now, on reflection, I probably didn't need to pre-order that Boba Fett figure because I don't think it's a hyper-exclusive one. I think it's probably still going to be available. Mm-hmm. And But the main reason I got it, as if you listened last week, you'll know that my displeasure with the current Boba Fett figure, the pouches on the belt, which <laughs> restricts his can-can ability, this new one appears to not have those pouches. Oh, my God. So... That that is good news. And so, so you're doing a repeat buy. This is your first six inch repeat buy on the basis of of this one has got different pouches of the uh, can can ability. Yes, you're all in. Now you're I all in, chief. now I can do that Moulin Rouge scene we talked about. And then the news today. Uh, I am going to go be going on at 10 p.m., which is a little over two hours time as of recording right now to try and pre-order some G.I. Joe stuff. So we saw the f- uh, images of the four new figures from Wave 3, is this, I guess? Uh, and that is... Yeah, yeah. so it's, I think, a mix of Wave 3 and some Target exclusives, which I don't... Uh, yeah, an extension of that uh, Cobra Island uh, right. theme. And so I saw the Zartan, which I thought looked good. Yeah, sort of um, very, uh, very in keeping with the the classic look. I like yeah. his little pistol as well, that unique little sort of yes. lasery looking pistol that he's yeah. got, and the backpack with the with the false face in it, looking yeah, yeah. on point. Yeah. There was um, a Cobra Trooper. Now, is this different? I, I kind of I was playing Skeletrix in the loft, so I had it on in the background, so I wasn't listening to everything they were saying. But the Cobra Trooper is that just a straight reissue of the one we've already seen to enable more people to get it, or is it got differences to it? A bit of both there. So it's very similar to the one that we've seen. I think there's a few fairly superficial details that are different. So it doesn't have the goggles that the Cobra Island exclusive had. And I think it's got a different gun. So the original had what people jokingly called a Nerf gun because it used the same uh, design as the Hasbro Nerf, you know, full-size Nerf Nerf guns. And I don't think it has like the officer's uh, little patch that they they got on their their arm. But but that's not an exclusive or is that... Is that a, is that a general sale figure? I believe that one is going to be a proper wave three. What about figure. the Zartan then? I, th- uh, I think it's Zartan uh, and Firefly and Cobra Infantry are regular releases, and the okay. Viper might be the Cobra Island exclusive. Okay. Now I I quite like the look of that Viper. Again, I haven't had a deep look at the images, but um, I don't know. I thought it looked okay. Yeah, I first saw it. I thought mm, I'm not sure about that. I, I saw then a couple of extra. Uh, pictures where actually it's got the goggles on display on the top of his helmet and I think that helps actually pull off the the, right. the look when when those are missing it doesn't doesn't okay. quite pop in the right way so yeah uh, I'm, I'm willing to give that one uh, a go still a little bit on the on the fence on it and then what about Firefly Firefly I think is is the biggest misstep of the line so far he's got this massive oh, wow. uh, sort of vest um, so like a heavy duty explosive protective okay vest and i just think that that classic version one firefly design is is just such an iconic design that to to sort of just step away from that just yeah. seems like a unnecessary okay so um yeah what what All i'd right. really like to know is what's what's underneath that vest you know is can you still sort of recreate that yeah. that v1 uh, yeah. firefly yeah. but again you know i'll probably buy it anyway it, it, <laughs> it might it might end up being great I tell you what else I almost pre-ordered last night was the Marvel Legends Kang figure because that looked well good. Really like the look of that Kang figure. 
uh, and there's also in Marvel's Legends um, Red Ninja, for, like a hand. Oh yeah. Ninja. Hand Ninja, yeah so, yeah. so, yeah, that's another potential one with some crossover possibilities. Could be a, a cheaper, easier way to get some Red Ninjas into your into your G.I. Joe line. Yeah, and looking a lot like that, that classic Red Ninja from issue 21 look. Yeah, yeah. Good, good. Well, um, I'll tell you what, let's stay on this theme of action figures because, would you believe it, it's time for Action Figure Fiasco. Action Figures we all love them, we all love them. Action figures, oh yeah. They bring us joy in our daily life. Bring us joy. Action figures, yeah. Evoking memories from our childhood. Childhood. But now we're grown and we just can't stop. Just can't stop. Buying plastic till our wallets pop, 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 pop. When will it end? Who can say? Who can say? Cause action figures are part of our DNA. DNA, DNA. Some people say maybe we've gone a little wacko. But action figures bring us joy like a rainbow. They are so hot like a splash of Tabasco. Now it's time for Action Figure Fiasco. Now it's time for Action Figure Fiasco. Listen, I've got two more figures here I'm going to look at. So the first is a Duke from Ooh. the classified line. I've just pulled him out of the cupboard. Yep, I've got now we covered too. Snake Eyes last week. The these the first thing I'm going to say is I'm going to I'm going to take out a Han Solo Black Series here, Best Bin Han Solo, and these do skew a little bit on the big side. These uh, GI Joe figures compared uh-huh. to the to Black the Series, the boots he's got on are. You know, if Han Solo is about a size of ten or eleven, Duke must be about a size eighteen. <laughs> They're big, but but, but it I'm doesn't. Look, they don't look out... too big in uh, in actually just looking at the figure on it in itself. No, no. And then I pulled a Wolverine mm-hmm. out of the cupboard, Marvel Legends, That's and he's only just shorter than Duke. Oh right, okay. Whereas he should be a lot shorter. Yeah, but I imagine even in comparison to the uh, to the rest of the Marvel line, he's probably a lot bigger than the the comic. Short us. Yeah, because I've got him standing next to a Union Jack figure, uh, which we'll be discussing next week, and he's about the same size. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we're not here to talk about that idiot. We're here to talk about uh, <laughs> Duke. Duke. So Connie, love, love this Connie. Yeah, I love this head sculpt. Yeah, it's really it's nice. Great. He's, th- there's just so much detail going on in that, uh, like in, in, in his hairstyle and yep. um, the way you know that it's cropped all around the, the back yep. and sides there. Same. He's got the same problem I had with the Snake Eyes figure in that I don't like this belt which kind of goes across mm-hmm. his torso. Like the bandolier. I didn't like it on Snake Eyes and I don't like it on Duke because I've got him holding his gun, which is nicely not too futuristic. I think it kind yep. of passes muster, whereas the Snake Eyes one most definitely didn't. Yeah, his guns, I think most people think, are probably the best out of the uh, that first yep. wave. But yeah. when I've got him two-handing this gun, that bandolier is getting in the way from him hugging it tight to his chest. Minor gripe, that's fine. He's got a floating belt, 
which has got a few pouches on, mm. which is okay, and he's got... Yep. Oh, has that removable um, thing on his belt? Yeah, removable goggles, uh, no, sort of ah. like, uh, binoculars on his belt. Didn't spot that before. Backpack, would have liked to have seen a few more colours on that, a few more paints, other than just the, the entrenching yeah. tool or whatever it is. Side, uh, on the thigh, he's got... What's this pistol look like in his in his thigh pouch? Let me get it yeah, out. Nice. Oh, yeah, it's that's good, fine. Uh, good pistol. That looks fine. You can yeah, hold, hold it in, in, his, in his left hand there, as I've got it at the moment. Don't you can see his wrist, his wristwatch that goes all the way around the wrist. Crazy. <laughs> oh yeah, it does. Yeah. Oh yeah, bright orange. How did bright I not orange. spot that was bright, bright orange, orange before? That's before you mentioned it. Statement. Um, the I know there's been a lot of contention about the over futuristic stylings of mm-hmm. some of the body armor on these figures. Obviously, he has got the gold and silver shin, shin pads, guards and knee yeah. pads. I don't mind them too much on him. Yeah. Yeah, I think they, um, you know, they don't stick out too much. Yeah, uh, overall, I'd say this is this is a good figure. Yeah, pr- um, in my eyes, pretty perfect figure, and yeah, he's got like, that sort of tiny little hint of a scar just above his eye and stuff like yeah, that as well. That great, great expression on him. Yep, yeah, uh, I do want to talk about one other figure, and it is from the Star Wars Black Series line, and it is the Heavy Mandalorian. Now, I don't know if oh, you've got cool. any pictures in front of you. I've not got the pics in front and of I, me. Have you sent them to me? Or? I did not send them okay. to you. No, <laughs> That's all right. I, um, no I've, I know. I know the. Fi- I know what you're talking about, though. Yep. Um, and he is. I'm going to send her in in talking Joe fashion. Let me take a pic and send it to you now. Um, how do I work this <laughs> face ID thing on my phone? Oh, jeepers! Great radio. Okay, here we go. Let's take a picture there. Done. Oh, you have to press send. Right, sent that. Wow. So this guy. He is thick and chunky, and mm-hmm. he feels very stable. He's got a great torso, um, kind of tilting thing there. Lots of head articulation. So that massive cannon he's got mm. uh, hooked up to his backpack. Just real chunky boots and armor, and loads of battle damage on him. Just a, a great, a great looking figure. Yeah, and it's got those sort of like asymmetrical touches to the design as as yep. well, which. I think probably the, the Mandalorian himself sort of suffers a little bit when he's in his in his um, you know more metallic armor. That, yeah. that he's it's very yeah uh, symmetrical. Whereas he's got like these these touches on his helmet, like just similar to the yeah. way the the original yeah. Boba Fett did. And that's yeah. yeah a cool looking gun. I wonder if you could swap that out and uh, give it to Roblox even. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's good. The only thing I'd like to I'd like to cloth kind of little flappy cape coming off of his belt <laughs> rather than this plastic but um minor gripe you can i think you can get better versions available but when you consider these figures retail around uk 20 pounds that deluxe mandalorian was 28 but if you go for these other higher premium brands you're looking at 50 60 70 80 pounds so mm. who's paying that for an action figure yeah not the kids that's idiots sure. <laughs> well actually i've just bought one so i'm clumped me in with the idiots but uh yeah, very good, very good. There will be more action figure fiasco next week, with or without the jingle. We will decide. So um, there you go. Right, so just to actually round off this action figure fiasco segment, I did actually get something in the post the other day, all the way from the US of A, and it was a little present for the Chiefy Two Shoes. Came from one of our listeners a friend of the show, a friend on Facebook, so thank you very much. Not going to name him, but uh, if you're listening, which you will be, you know who you are, sir. Thank you very much again. I tip my hat to you. He sent me a classified six-inch snake eyes, which are very hard to find over here, so that was uh, that was amazing. I had actually bought a pre-owned set of Wave 1 figures about two days prior 
because I mentioned we mentioned it on the on the last pod, the first one that you were on. I mentioned yep. receiving that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we, it and was uh, yeah, toy of the week. Well, not toy of the week, but we uh, was, talked about it in the toy fiasco, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Yes, and then literally two days later, this this parcel arrived through the letterbox, and it was another snake eye. So eternally grateful for that. It will not go to waste. I'm gonna kind of have a little go at customising so maybe paint the visor silver maybe add some other touches you know do, uh, look online for some inspiration of what other people have done with their snake eyes figures but um yeah this is really really cool so thank you again but uh nice to get that so yeah, the, yeah what, nice. what so great fan base we got excellent yeah very very generous uh fans uh love lovely uh surprise and yeah i look forward to seeing uh, what you do with the snake case because i've i've seen your uh the paints that you've you've shared before on the socials and right. uh, yeah you've got some good skills there. well so no that, that's all let's see what you do that's all a, a much smaller scale which some people say might be a bit more tricky but i don't know i think your mistakes are going to show up bigger on, on the larger figures but um yeah we'll see i might go might head over to uh, uh jim godfrey among others to give me some help with how to customize figures bar as well so I, I might be reaching out to you guys for that but uh yeah excellent stuff uh, more action figure fiasco and next week but uh, what we're really here to discuss, the meat of the show, is the comic talk. So let's get to, uh, I guess, uh, comic talk. Comic talk, oh, comic talk. Barry Hammer writes them, Chief and Mark discuss them, whoa. Comic talk, oh, comic talk. Barry Hammer writes them, Chief and Mark discuss them, whoa. Right. We are, I don't think we actually told the listeners what issues we were going to be covering this week. So we are going to be covering the first three parts of Snake in the Grass. So that is 230 to 232? Yep, and given, right? uh, given that we ended on 229 last yeah. episode it probably would have been a fair guess as to where we were going next so yes yes but i don't think we said how many issues but uh, we're covering we're going to break this arc into three issue chunks yeah six so issues. yeah um i wonder where we're going to start favorite cover right s jobs has said it's favorite cover so that's what it is now I've looked at all these covers here, and my favourite, I think, is probably just the SL Gallant uh, 230, the one with a shrouded figure with a compound bow aiming an arrow at another shrouded figure. Yeah, um, snap. That that was my pick right. as, as well for nice. my favourite. It's a nice ninja cover, sets off some of those nostalgia pang, uh, pangs, yes. that mysterious uh, bowman with sound amplif- amplification gear making you you think back to uh snake eyes the origin and uh yeah. the death of the the hard master yeah yeah we do get some is this the start of the john royal subscription cover run as well yeah good point yeah that was i was ex- gonna say exactly the same that uh the 230 variant is the first in a long line of gi joe covers from john royal which is is um, he still I doing them have to check but but i think starts with issue 230 and pretty much runs up to, to modern day so yeah he's, st- okay. he's still doing them uh, yep. And yeah, that that particular cover's got Duke and Cobra Commander falling out of a plane and having a, a fist fight, which doesn't yeah. happen in the comic. No, nope. uh, and it's uh, but 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 yeah, it's his kind of style really is is that he, he's often going for uh, an iconic image um, on the cover rather than yes. any sort of literal interpretation well, of what's happening in the. Uh, uh, actual comic itself yeah you've you've met him i've met him real top guy uh, i asked if he wanted to come on the pod actually but he actually declined for the only reason that um he, he felt a bit shy about oh. coming on so but he's a good guy and he i actually was talking to him about his covers and he said 
he's almost got free license from IDW. They say just draw whatever you want. Okay. So I think I don't think any of his covers ever depict what actually happens in the comic. But he's just like, oh, cool! I'll draw Scrap Iron this this month, or I'll draw, right. you know, whatever. There's your dog. There's the dog. <laughs> he's having a bit of a, a yep. shake and a scratch. That's all right. Oh, I tell you what, we found your new replacement. <laughs> <laughs> but right about now, last time on a real American hero. While exploring Cobra's old Brocker Beach facility off the coast of New Jersey, Torpedo, Cutter, and Deep Six come under attack by a group of Cobra eels. Meanwhile, Dawn Moreno, a Cobra youth that saved Cobra Commander's life, is submitted to the brainwave scanner by Dr. Mindbender. But when Baroness and her allies mess with the machine in an attempt to free Dawn, they uncover old files that contain snake eyes, memories, which get downloaded straight into Dawn's mind. Very good. Right, well... Let's just start at the beginning with a plot breakdown. Plot breakdown. So we're we're juggling multiple plots in this uh, series of three issues. So off Baruka Beach, Torpedo and Deep Six are having a scrap with some eels up inside you. And again, Cobra instantly recognise them from facial recognition scans. Of course. intelligence there. And cutters to the rescue as eels bob to the surface. Cut up by cutter. There is a cliffhanger. What were the eels guarding? We find out as Cutter and Deep Six enter through an iris hatch and find a brand new bat factory assembly line. But as just as they're about to bash in the bat under construction, it wakes up along with its buddies. Deep Six shoots an airlock control panel to bypass the safety so he can flood the facility. They get washed out, fire a casino, and they then get whisked away on the whale into the sunset. What do you think? What do you think of this little plot? I don't know. It feels like there's more to come. Maybe in the the next sort of three issues yeah, to flesh it I out a so. bit more. I but hope we'll... so. they don't just leave it leave it at that, and, and we do have yep. a bit more to to, yep. to come with that. So the second the second story point is all about continuing bomb strikes story in Oliastan yep. as she discovers the new sixth generation bat improved with a robot. Uh, Robocop 3 style jetpack and, and uh, attachments. The tales are turned again and again as she's captured by the Black Major. Uh, she does some uh, serious action moves as she takes out eight red shadows before being ta- captured again. She's in a prison cell as depicted on the cover of 231 where she escapes again and then turns the tables again. Dr. Biggles Jones notes she is tired of this back and forth about the fourth time that she's found at a disadvantage and she is yeah. shot in the head with a silenced pistol. Yes. Bomb strike yes. dumps her in the desert yeah, before getting better and driving off. Yep. <laughs> so a, ni- <laughs> a nice bit of gruesomeness there in that, yeah. in that one. Uh, and yeah. it, I wonder, yeah, again... Will we pick up this uh, that plot point in uh, in number yeah. uh, number four of the series? We'll see. So over to subplot number three. This time we're in Utah Airport as Claire is trying to speak to Fowled in Benzene. She has secret information about the pit and she needs to hand it over in person. She is tracked by Jane and Mainframe and Duke and Roadblock as they go off to Paris and then back over to to wherever it is, somewhere over in the Middle East, Benzene, where uh, Claire founds Fowled, who's actually a doctor in a children's ward of a hospital. And the people tracking Claire, they are tracking her with a drone and a Hellfire missile that shoots at them. But Claire has been able to uh, navigate her way around so that actually the hospital isn't destroyed. But she wasn't brainwashed after all. And she was part of that juggler plot to pay, take down the terrorists. So all's well that ends well-ish. 
But a female terrorist have been tasked with making Claire pay the consequences of her betrayals. So this is one that is a to be continued. And then we've got all the Dawn stuff. <laughs> then we've got all the Dawn stuff. So this is subplot number four. In Springfield, we start off. Cobra commanders found out about Dawn being implanted with Snake Eyes memories. Zartan sets off to track her on his motorbike, which is probably the the you know most uh, you know most appropriate of tracking tools. Yeah, yep. <laughs> can imagine that 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 that's the best way to to see where the leaves have bent and whatnot. And uh, and he's yeah, despite you know chasing after on this uh, this motorbike, he's somehow able to subtly uh, sneak up on her and uh, and get at her with that that arrow as seen as the the cover. So he fires an arrow. And she is able to break it with some magic ninja bullshit triangle fingers. Uh, we find out that she wants the Arishikagi sword, the Morning Light. That's the sword that Zartan gave Storm Shadow the sister blade of, which called Evening Shade back in 217. Uh, and that was where it was first mentioned that the blade was in New York City, where Dawn finds Morning Light. And that's a different museum to the one that was in San Francisco back in issue 85, SFX, by the way. Right. So Dawn uses her magic ninja skills to bash open the case with a fire axe and scarp her off with it, where she runs into Storm Shadow in a back alley, and Storm Shadow seems to know exactly what is going on. A whole lot of stuff going on. Although I've made notes, I've made about two sentences of notes. So <laughs> not much to talk about from me, so there might be something to t- from you, so let's dig into the nuggets. Talking, Talking points. points. Talking points from me, not many. All I really want to know is what what's the history of this morning light sword? But I think you've already answered it. I thought it was, is it something to do with the SFX 85 issue? But you're saying no. And you're saying this was first referenced in issue 217, this morning light sword. I'm getting these blooming swords all mixed up. Yeah, it was, yeah, I think 217 might have been where it was first uh, mentioned okay. that there, it's got this sister blade, even right. in the shade, and, and Zartan said that we, this other blade was being stored in uh, in the New York Museum. Back in the um, Storm Shadow uh, uh, Devil's Due series, apparently there's the, all of the shenanigans about some of these swords. Right. I've not gone back and reread them recently, so okay. I can't remember what exactly happens with them. But <laughs> so, why has Dawn slash Snake Eyes got such a hard on for stealing this sword? Because this doesn't strike me as something Snake Eyes would have done, broken yeah. into a museum and stole a sword. Good point. I don't think I got the answer for that. Yeah. Okay. Snake Eyes, when he, he was himself with his own body and memories, didn't go off stealing this sword. So no. why why it's so important for Dawn yeah. to do that? Yeah. Who knows? And another quick question. At the start of the first issue, where there's like a tour guide going round, she goes, we don't know much about this mumbo-jumbo Arashikage <laughs> clan, but we know they love the number 63. Yeah. Explain. Okay. <laughs> I've no idea. Okay, right, okay. <laughs> okay. And yeah, after saying that they don't know much about them, that they go on to explain quite a lot in detail yes. about the yes. uh, the sword the uh, the sword master yep. who yep. made the blades and all of that kind of stuff. Okay, that's fine, that's fine. Um what's your uh, what's 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 some of the things you want to uh, break down? Uh, I th- I just thought it's worth touching on, you know, these four main storylines that yeah. they that they had dotted through and it it, it it struck me that that they that Larry balanced that that quite well. That they've got these four main storylines, and they're just pushing along with some great momentum. They've got sort of cliffhangers at the end of each little scene. They had some great underwater action there. In yeah, the that was my favourite one. That first one with uh, the aquatic guys, the nautical yeah. guys, was my favourite one. I think James Bond style under underwater yes. battles with uh, yeah shooting those spears and whatnot. Yep. Yeah, yep. bomb strike. You know. 
doing well there in <laughs> Oliostan and and yeah sort of just completely just different scenery and a set of cast then in in uh, Claire's uh, benzene trip and then also yeah Dawn over there with with her own in Oliostan I've forgotten already what Bombstrike was doing there in the first place so I think it was that we had that story in the death of snake eyes where the the team had originally been on over there and and let red laser and co were were building that giant robot that had the had the fight and oh, then yeah. the, the, the mission went south and they booked out basically so so she was back there as a, a recon to to find oh, out okay. what was what was left there at that site what was going uh, going on yeah, I thought that was the, the bomb strike one was was quite a bit good. It was quite a bit good. That's not even good English, is it? it was quite good. Uh, I thought it was quite a bit good. Um, but I'm actually gonna I'm gonna jump forward here and um, just question my own um, sanity. Um, Am I stupid? Right. Okay. I, this is a bit I don't understand because we saw bomb strike get shot in the head. Mm-hmm. And the explanation was the bullet penetrated her skull but couldn't or into her front of her head couldn't go through the skull and so skirted round the outside of her head and then came found a soft spot and came out the back. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, all right, fine. Yeah, all right. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. just, you know, what happened. I think so. Larry, like we all know, is a keen kind of uh, military um, historian slash air quotes expert. So I don't think he would have intentionally made something up so it wouldn't surprise me if we see in a letter column later on that someone says that couldn't happen and larry's going to pull out uh, an account of i read in a journal i knew someone who got shot in the head and the bullet went round his head and came out the back so yeah i reckon so it's, yeah. it must have been something that he's read about or in, encountered and okay i think the point of it being in part that that it had this silencer on uh, on the gun when it was shot, and that sort of slowed down the velocity of uh, the bullet a little. Okay. Yeah, but. Yes, and and I've got another one as well. Uh, jumping forward to the, the Claire stuff, this is more just a general. I don't think I'm fully a hundred percent understanding what's happening. So, to, <laughs> so she she was captured all those years ago, and then yeah. indoctrinated into this terrorist cult. Exactly. They tried to brainwash her. While but she, was she resisted captive. the brainwashing, or at a late was brainwashed, but at a later date managed to shake it off. But now, but what I'm confused about is who Foud is. Like, is he a bad guy, or is he actually a good? Is he the one that did the brainwashing? And who are the other guys who are putting the hit on him slash Claire? I don't really understand what's happening. So Fowd is, I guess, the the sort of, you know, a bit of the stereotypical Islamist terrorist who was the right. guy who had tried to, to brainwash her and then put her out into the West as his sleeper agent. Okay. And the people that, that Claire are working for seem to be uh, connected to the jugglers. Yeah. So it's uh, they've got the tracker on uh, her and they're the people who have got that drone missile attack and then that the uh, sort of mop-up squad that, that follows right. them as as well. So who are the other Muslims that are tracking Claire? I think the rest of them are, are sort of connected to Fowd who are just sort of just tracking her and, and making sure that she's uh, on the level and not double-crossing them. Right. But then who's the one that's going to assassinate her? I think that's one of Fowd's mob. Okay, right, okay. Okay, we'll so... Out. <laughs> right. Okay. This is where 
the Joes kind of bust onto the scene because they've been hot trotting around the globe trying to get information about what's going on. Yeah, a couple of steps behind them and yeah. uh, and getting there just in in time to yeah, yeah. to see the jugglers bust in and blow how, up. How did you feel about the Hawk situation in the pit where all the Joes seem to have tightened ranks, closed ranks, and are excluding Hawk from any information about this? Did that sit right with you or feel right? Or would they have let mm. him in? It felt like... He was the founding member of Joe, and now he's kind of been pushed to the curb. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's almost like he's he's the man, you know. He's the, now Joey your, politics. Your, yeah, Joe, Joey, Joe politic, who yeah. who sort of is almost closer to the sort of the juggler side of of things, and and yeah, maybe maybe they're yeah the Joes are kind of looking more to to likes of Duke as as their you know leader figure, who they're going to be a little bit more loyal to, and uh, and. You know, keep Hawk at a bit of a distance in, yep. in in terms of some of these things, but you know, it also could be argued the other way around that maybe maybe they're protecting Hawk because if he, he if he doesn't know about it, right, then uh, then maybe there's less chance that he'll get in trouble for it if yep. uh, if yep. it's not something he's uh, specifically kind of okayed himself. Makes sense. Uh, what what else what else stood out for you? Larry is was a great pains to to make sure that we realized that the red shadows are english <laughs> oh yes after all they did originate from uh, from battle action force comic back in the day in the palatoy line so yeah bob's bob's your uncle mate laugh, no but he actually grub he actually says bob's my uncle he does bob's my uncle which yeah, yeah which is wrong. not a colloquialism no, no incorrect um yeah he says mates love Grub, which is a you know a word that all English people use to describe uh, their their food, of course, and gore, which gore blimey, governor. Yeah, coming from yeah. gore blimey, but actually, no English person would say gore blimey, and certainly no English person would say gore on its own. Maybe there's a new segment here: incorrect colloquialisms. <laughs> incorrect colloquialism. Yeah. There is, however, there is a Larry Harmerism, although it might be a new one, and I think it qualifies, even though it's only cropped up twice. But it did crop up in back-to-back issues, and that was two thirty and two thirty-one, and it was belay that. So he has Cutter say, I think Torpedo saying, we need to get these guys patched up, and Cutter says something like, belay that. We've got to go back down, get the tanks prepped, and go back down. And then he says it again in issue two three one cutter. Someone gives a someone gives a suggestion. He's like belay that and says something else. So I think that could be a new Larry Harmerism. Yeah, I think if we went if we went back through the issues, we'd start seeing it everywhere. <laughs> Probably yeah. <laughs> How do you feel about the way this dawn thing is going? How do I feel? I'm just sort of seeing seeing where it goes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I'm I'm not got any strong feelings one way or another. It's a little bit. A little bit frustrating that the sort of storm shadow sort of seems to magically appear, um, yes, and and kind of know exactly what's going on without, I guess, necessarily having had much that would have tipped tipped him off to to the yeah. situation. But and um, I, and I assume we're led to believe that she is she's Cobra through and through, really, because well, I don't know, but she was a, a young girl in the, the Cobra youth. So we've got no reason to believe she was unsettled there or unsupporting of the Cobra ideals. And that's easily almost forgotten because she's now being portrayed just as a teenage girl with the skills of a ninja, not a Cobra youth, you know, and um, fanaticist with the skills of a ninja. 
the, the cobra yeah. element seems to have been forgotten already that's a very interesting point i actually hadn't picked up on that but as you say she was you know i guess uh, a cobra loyalist living in in springfield presumably she's got you know parents who are crimson guards or, or sort of cobra loyalists yeah. cobra loyalists um and then she quite happily became uh, cobra commander's bodyguard for <laughs> an issue or so yeah and then um yeah i guess we're to to believe that that you know she's she's had this brainwave ex- experience and is now sort of yeah it's sort of divided between being a teen a confused teenage girl and a a ninja but actually previously she was a yeah i guess a hardcore cobra loyalist bodyguard so so yeah will will that dynamic be part of her ongoing sort of angst and, and sort of being pulled in these different directions or or will it get uh will it get forget, forgotten about probably forgotten about but um we'll see we'll see we'll see where that goes i don't know i think it's like you i'm was never probably fully on board when they're like oh well now snake eyes memories is now in this young girl because oh we just cannot forget him okay well i thought we'd moved away by having sean develop his own personality to to a degree and getting his own uniform to make him distinct but now snake eyes is is never gonna die but you know they have larry said before we got the opportunity to tell these untold joe stories just set you know 10 20 years in the past and there's no I don't know. I think it's it feels a little bit hokey, but look, let's run with it and see what happens. If it turns out to be shit, I'm happy to say it's shit. But if it turns out to be, ah, oh, this is you know, okay, fine. Then it turns out to be that. That's that's all all good. I'll, yeah, I won't judge that, it till I've got to the end of the storyline. And I think the fact that we've got these like four very different stories happening in in parallel through these three issues means that actually, if you're less hot on on one of them, that um that you know you've got the others that that sort of uh zipping along at pace as as well so you know the even if the the dawn bit isn't quite floating your boat completely that that there's there's all this other stuff happening and for me probably the the one that did the least for me in this plot up was there's the claire story which just doesn't quite doesn't quite gel for me there it was probably the most amount sort of most amount of confusion in there as well yeah. as trying to sort of maintain a properly coherent story with 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 the various threads that are kind of coming off that that main main story and all of the different you know the clear motivations of yeah of all of the parties in, involved um and it yeah. feels like it feels like the it felt like that had now all of a sudden wrapped up but then we do get that scene with the the quote assassin in the car who says you know she'll put an end to it so that clearly hasn't finished because now there's a hit out on claire but there's going to be a there needs to be a big debrief about what what she's been doing and going through so i wonder if that will happen as well in the next three issues i don't know we'll we'll see yeah i think the main, the bulk of it bulk of it that sort of mystery has has now been resolved and now we've got this sort of assassin who's going to be gunning for her but um, yeah. yeah we'll we'll see what happens uh what happens with it in the next three issues yeah yeah very good um i didn't really spot anything out of the ordinary did you I spy with my little eye. So nothing jumped out at me of being too out of the ordinary in terms of uh, in terms of Easter eggs and and whatnot. Uh, it was nice to see Roblox getting his Marduce through airport security in a diplomatic pouch again. Oh yeah, that was quality actually. I really like that bit. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which which he'd done not too long ago uh, when he was going into Ireland. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how far they can push this. You know, what can they stick into a diplomatic pouch and get away with? Yeah. 
the the, the nice little Easter egg that, that I spotted, which which made me chuckle. Bomb strike as she was uh, escaping from her jail cell, she grabbed a chicken drumstick off of her food tray. Hmm. And then uh, we cut to a different scene, and when we resume, she's still got her drum drumstick, and she sti- and she chucks it at the black major. Yep. Uh, and it's so clean. It's finger licking good. Finger licking good stuff. Yeah. It's just down to the bone. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't. I didn't spot anything out of the ordinary. That doesn't mean that there wasn't stuff in there. It just means that, as usual, my perception is not great. <laughs> but um, yeah. So with four different storylines going on here. Was it easy? Was it difficult to pick the your favourite character? So let's find out who was the MVP. Who is the MVP? Most valuable person in these issues. Who is the MVP? Is it a Cobra Joe or the enemy? Good guys are the Joes now on show Counter-terrorist force but hush it's on the down low Pages of this book go have a look We're searching for guys or gals that have the hook The hook of being the best thing in the story Chomping up scenes front and centre allegory And let's not forget about those cats named Cobra Sipping Don Perion. are you sure they're sober? Brainwave Scanner is back gonna be messing Big CC and Destro teach a lesson Talking valuable can we talk the dreadnoughts Grape soda, chocolate donuts and then the jukebox who is the MVP? Most valuable person in these issues. Who is the MVP? Is it a Cobra Joe or the enemy? So we might settle on the same one here, I, I think. I suspect we might. When I was looking at this, there was literally... I think one person on my short list so uh be interesting to see if we do land on the same one <laughs> and you have selected cutter that's right cutter go. with some serious cutting yes yes it was uh yeah a nice little bit for him to 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 shine that i think he's been away from the from the story for a, for a little while and him sort of getting down thick in it with those eels uh, and it's just seeing all those bobby bodies bobbing up to the the surface, and uh, and his and his, the other Joe's sort of joking that, uh, yeah, they realised the reason that he got his uh, his nickname Cutter was because uh, of how handy he was with a knife. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole sequence is is really cool. I like the bit. Uh, I, I do like the bit where Deep Six is already down there, and one of the eels goes. It's something like subject in pressure suit is codenamed Deep Six, qualified master diver with no notable combat skills. As he as Deep Six cuts his throat <laughs> or cuts his uh, tube, air tubes, that's quite yeah. cool. I, I quite like that. So and torpedo, nice to see torpedo in action. But then when Cutter goes down, the look on the eels' faces. Look above us. Recognition scan. And then here comes Cutter, kind of full into the into the reader's frame of view with this knife, and then just basically mashes them all up. So yeah. But then he he also throughout the throughout one by one bobbing to the surface yeah, as throughout all is happening underneath throughout the rest of the issues he he kind of takes command I don't know what his rank is if he's the highest ranked of these four characters Ooh, but yeah you want one of the other co-hosts to tell you that but yeah he tends he's sort of uh, tends to be in a bit of a, a leadership position in most of the uh, appearances that he's he's had like when he was commanding the uh, the Jane and so yes, on Jane, yeah, yeah, so uh, so yeah I, w- I would imagine that he probably has kind of the default. Uh, uh, the default leadership position when when he's in these kind of scenarios favorite line of dialogue 
So we've kind of looked at the issues. Now, did anything stand out as your kind of favourite bit of scripting here by Larry? There was Black Major to, to Bombstrike, uh, who, who's almost on a par with uh, Cobra Commander here in, in terms of his dialoguing. He says, Why aren't you the obstreperous one? We shall have to give you a proper thrashing when you're conscious enough to appreciate it. Yep, very good. Obstreperous. I had to look that up. It means noisy and difficult to control. It's, uh, yeah... Every day is a school day with uh, Larry's writing sometimes. Okay, so what's your favourite, Chief? So I like the bit where they're uh, down uh, Deep Six and Cutter. They've kind of infiltrated that, the robot facility, and they're scrounging weapons. Cutter says, might be better if you took a shotgun or an SMG. And then Deep Six says, if we have the same calibre, I can scrounge your ammo if you get killed. And Cutter says, there's that. (laughs) Teamwork makes the dream work. Yeah, and it's keeping him with his character of them calling him a bit of a cold, cold fish, fish. Yes, not being yes. particularly, uh, yeah, <laughs> working Very well good. with others. Very good. Well, let's yo-jo this, not as a story arc, but just as our effective enjoyment of these issues. I'm trying to think. I think I gave last week a six. I think, I think you, you gave it a seven. I think this week, oh, I gave it a six and a half, I think, last week. I think I am going to probably stay on the same six and a half. Yeah, I think I'm about the same as I was last week, so yeah, I'll stick with a, a stick seven. With a seven. Excellent, so we'll continue this Snake in the Grass storyline next week, so if you want to do your homework, that's issues 233 to 235. But right now, what happens right now? Oh yeah, right now we talk about toys, and uh, I'm going to guess something that you're going to come up with, I think. Mark talks about toys, ho ho. He talks about G.I. Joe. He talks about all the toys from the comic book and the animated show. Mark talks about toys. Mark talks about toys. That's right. So if I was going to be talking about a toy... You're going to talk about Cutter. (laughs) How could it be anything less? So let me just ping you across. Yes, please. Uh, Well, I've got the figure. I've got the figure. Oh, you do? Excellent. Let me get him out Uh, of the box. And you've not talked about Cutter and the whale before on the talk of toys, right? Okay, here we go. Yeah, I got him. I got him. Got him. So, so Cutter. So, he was, uh, yeah, pilot of the whale from 1984. So that sort of classic, uh, classic era. Um, and uh, yeah, he's a, a nice looking figure. He's got a very distinctive cap with the with the B on it. So that's uh, <laughs> many people think it's meant to be the Boston Red Sox. He's in his life life preserver there, uh, out Back to the Future, and uh, yeah, looking every man, every part of the uh, sort of naval man. Yeah, rolled up right. sleeves, nice touch. What else can you? Sp- have you got? Have you got him in front of you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What else? Uh, what else? Well, he's got that molded. He's got that molded uh, piece on the thigh for the holstered weapon. Yeah, he's just got a quite a sort of a clean, classic. Uh, yeah, I don't think he came him. with any weapons. Yeah, I don't think he did actually. No, I think he just came with one massive weapon. Now you've got you've got the uh, the figure, but did you also have the whale? No, never had the whale. No idea where I got this figure from. Okay. So, <laughs> and no uh, Ben's over there, and he's got a whale. He's where? No, he, he never had it. He never <laughs> had it. No. Oh, interesting that that you've got you got him, and uh, yeah. Uh, Cutter, he's, uh, his primary military special hovercraft captain, as you might expect. He's got a background as being a Coast Guardsman. Okay, so on his file card, there's a few things that, that stick out. The, he wanted to live a, a life at sea, even though his hometown was as far away from either ocean as you could get. Um, he coached the women's swimming team. And uh, his file name is uh, somewhat ridiculous, 
skip a stone. <laughs> <laughs> Is it really? Yeah, yeah it's uh, a joke one. and um, Yeah, there we go. But memorable, skip a stone. Yeah. Lovely. He came with the uh, killer whale hovercraft, which is about as beautiful as a G.I. Joe toy can can get. Have you have you seen it in person? No, I don't think so. No, maybe mm-hmm. a convention or something like that. I mean, toy it's got convention, some, maybe it's got some great uh, comic book appearances. So obviously it shows up again in this this uh, story arc here, but had some great appearances in uh, Beached Whale in 29, all the ships at sea. Yep. Uh, 36 it had that lovely sequence where uh, roadblock is is uh, balancing the the guns the anti-aircraft guns on his back as as deep six takes takes down a rattler and you know some some really great uh sequences in in the in the comic book probably uh more than the most get in terms of really spotlighting it yeah it's it's a you know it's a beast of a vehicle it's it's uh pretty huge and you've have you got the the photos there in front of you now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it comes with that. a few little accessories as well, doesn't it? Yeah, it's got these. Uh, it's got a uh, what do they uh, call it? It's a surveillance cycle, which is like this sort of dinky little uh, motorbike, which is a little bit undersized, and it looks a little bit like a you know one of those undersized bicycles that you know you might get a, a clown. Um, riding in a in a circus or something yep. like that so it's it's not quite the bike that you'd want to swap out and give to your your dreadnoughts but it's a nice little touch and then it's got this recon sled that sits at the front of the the boat underneath the the ramp and it's got uh, this eject button that, that shoots it out of the the front and it's got this great hatch where you can keep all of your, a, a little team of joes inside and lower the ramp and have them them come out and that was used a few issues ago to actually store uh, store the, um, the shark in and have that being launched out of there. Obviously, yep. the in scale. reality, the, the scale doesn't work, but it was nice. It's nice in the comics. And then it's got all of these extra, you know, guns on the side. It's got those uh, anti-aircraft turrets that you can you mount mount up two figures in. You've got the the sort of the control. Uh, uh, steering area that that you'll normally stick cutter at, and he's flanked by a brace of uh, four missiles on either side, and then they've got these, uh, I guess, what do they call them? Like fans, rear fans at the back, and you could uh, press a button, and that would actually turn around the the fans. And right. then there was these uh, depth charges as well that that back. So there was a series of depth charges with a little. Uh, little mechanism where you could launch them out of the side of uh, side of the boat. Um, lots of little pieces and accessories and things that were relatively fragile, particularly around those those fans. So imagine, I imagine it would be very difficult to find a uh, a whale uh, at decent price that has got all of those bits intact yeah, because, yeah, so much to to lose or break on on that thing. But it's a yeah, it was a beautiful beautiful toy. And actually, in the UK, it was uh, released a couple of times. Though so it came out in the Palatoy era and then was uh, re-released um, in that I think that first wave in in the UK when it was taken over by uh, Hasbro so there was different set of uh, decos between uh, and logos between those two uh, two eras and I was fortunate enough to get it on its um, second release right nice definitely a top tenner for me yeah yeah I can't see why anyone wouldn't have it as a top tenner so uh, a great addition and interesting that they chose to go down that kind of large-ish hovercraft route as a toy I think 
most toy lines i suppose of that era had some kind of floating vehicle and this actually did float yeah on water i believe so i don't think i ever tried to float mine okay. but i bet you steve uh, steve has got some tales yeah. to tell yeah. About, yeah. about his no very good 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 stuff as always more toys next week but uh right now it's time for a departure uh from the gi joe stuff and time for this You're listening to Talking Joe, and now for something completely different. The Star Wars Galaxy sure has a lot of playgrounds. Playgrounds. Jedi Knights, Evil Sith, Bounty Hunters, all doing the rounds. Doing the rounds. But there's a guy so cool, the Mandalorian. Mandalorian. Now expand your mind and be a Star Wars historian. Historian. It's 10 Minute Mando. He's chasing a star. It's 10 Minute Mando. He loves Beskar. It's 10 Minute Mando in a galaxy far, far away. That's right, people. We're back. It's 10 Minute Mando. Start the clock. Go. So, if you're not familiar, it's the 10 Minute Mando segment. We are re-watching The Mandalorian at two episodes at a time per episode of, of the podcast until we get to live on October 30th, whenever, whenever season two comes out. We're down to 9 minutes 45. We are discussing episodes three and four from season one. Episode three is called Sins, Sins. or something like that. and well, Directed know, by Deborah Chow. Is it? And then number four is don't know what that one's called it's called it's, sanctuary that's it it's directed by bryce da, bryce dallard let me put my tongue back in bryce dallard howard the daughter dallas of, what did i say dallard <laughs> then uh he's the daughter of ron howard she, and he's she's the bird dead. in uh, jurassic world she is yeah, yeah. and yeah. That, that seems to be her her calling card right okay uh, <laughs> but um, and she is not jessica chastain okay I don't know what that means, but anyway, uh, episode three. You can this... tell who Jessica Chastain is because she's the girl that's not Bryce Dallas Howard. Okay, right. Still don't understand. So, episode three. This is the one where Mando he's delivered the the baby thing. I don't want to call it Baby Yoda because it's not Yoda. Yoda the is child. a name. It's the delivered child. this kid, this alien kid, and taken his uh, money, and he's about to go off world. Take he's taking another gig from Apollo Creed yeah. and he's about to go off world to capture some Mon Calamari dude and he has a, a change of mind basically because he finds a, a knob in his control panel <laughs> he finds a, a knob in his control panel of his spacecraft and reminds him of when this little kid was playing with his knob and it, <laughs> and it fell off and he's like right I better go back and save that yeah. kid so it all seemed playing with my knob is what it all saying. seemed very unbelievable to me that he would make that decision I guess there is no show if he doesn't make that decision yeah. so he I had mean, to yeah. and they it's, need it's to the give it's the turning point in his motivation yeah so. and it's and it's any character who I feel who is is has their face hidden they have to have some kind of moral um, I don't know moral decisions are easier to heap onto characters with face masks because we don't see their face so their conveying of emotion is through actions so he's kind of going against type goes back to save the kid we get some nice fight sequences against the stormtroopers oh and uh, so i like that bit so so when he's fighting the stormtroopers he's properly fighting dirty isn't he's shooting them you know shooting in the back there's no there's no uh sort of um 
you know, pretentious uh, kind of, uh, yeah, I can only shoot something in front. Once after they shot at me first, kind of vibe going on. It's yep. like, let, let's get in there, you know, get rid of these guys and get the kid out. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, th- I thought that was cool. So this is the one also where this is, uh, I've, I've watched it last week. Is this the one where he uses the best guy and get, it gets melted down so he gets his That's new chest right, plate? Yeah. And this is where the heavy, he has a bit of beef with the heavy dude. He's got some, yeah, proper beef with the the heavy, and then that sort of all turned around by the by the end of the episode. And that heavy, um, yes. pop fact, that is uh, Paz Vizsla, um, who is voiced by John Favreau. Right. Okay. Um, okay. So he's the showrunner, and he also voiced Pre Vizsla, who was the leader of the Mandalorian. Now I was going to say, Deathwatch. I was going to say Pre Vizsla. Um, is there is Vizsla what what is the con- Vizsla connection? I'm not entirely sure how it all works, but you know if it's a surname, I guess it, it's uh, a familial connection there. Okay. That you'd, you'd think that there's some sort of uh, link, and yeah, they're I guess properly ramming that home by yeah. by using the same person to yeah. to voice both. I thought when he was escaping through the city at the end, and then. Apollo Creed pops up and all these other bounty hunters surround him, all these, you know, surround the Mando, and it's a big firefight. It felt a little bit low-rent to me. I'm not sure. It felt a little bit Babylon 5-ish. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Look, I'm not... Look, overall, the show so far has looked great. I think they've done an amazing job with sets and effects and things, but that, that end sequence to episode three just felt a little bit kind of I don't know I don't know just a little bit like firefly a bit shit is what I'm saying um, <laughs> just, just a bit shit um, but it's, it's and, one and, of those and, things and, where he's surrounded on all sides you know they're just out to get him how on earth does he get away you know yeah they, kind they of kind of, of take, trying to take him down one at a time how does he get to kill all of them and, and they, they don't get any yeah medicine. now obviously he does has have help because all these other mandos fly in on their jump packs but, but you know, it's a, it's a minor criticism because overall I really am enjoying the show more than I did the yeah. first time round. But Some... a few cracks are starting to show a little bit for me. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not necessarily going to be perfect in every single way, but I no. think you know, there's, more, there's more to like than not like. Nice to see that uh, Apollo Creed this time, whereas even Drago killed him on screen last time. Nice to see, even though Apollo... Took a, takes a shot I thought he was dead nice to see him actually survive obviously we know he comes back later in the series but uh, good character nice to see yeah. him stick around apparently, apparently in the early stages they were going to kill him off but they, they liked right. him so much that they, they changed it to keep him love Carl Weathers um, the next episode uh, I watched that today with a friend of the show Buddy Faceman and he was saying oh is this that terrible episode and I was like I can't remember any of them he goes oh yeah episode 4 is widely regarded as the worst one of the whole series um I watched it and I was like, it's not, I don't think it was overall a stinker at all, but it just felt a little bit like filler. Yeah, so I guess aside from it introducing this new character, yep. uh, b- uh, played by uh, Gina Carano, Cara Dune, um, apart from that, it, it is kind of one and done, isn't it? It's not really propelling the overall story along uh, too much, is it? No, I think the. And I think the failing for me a little bit was... So, the other thing is, they're on some backwards planet. Why did he stop there? Was it just... I can't remember. I watched it about an hour ago. 
I can't remember why he <laughs> stopped on that planet. Out, but he's, so, he's but what's his long-term plan? Just to hide out forever on this planet? Or how long is he going to stay there? I don't know. Anyway. Well, um, yeah, at least in the short term. Finds out this village is being assaulted by some orcs from Mordor. And That's right. <laughs> they have somehow acquired an ATST. Now, this is kind of like a monster in the woods monster of the week kind of storyline yeah. and i think the failing of it was they go out to track it and they say something's making noises something's in the fog making noises in the wood and you think it's going to be some big creature fire breathing dragon or something early on they see footprints and even says AT, she says atst and he says imperial walker so it's like yeah. okay so it's an imperial walker but they still maintain the priest hence that it's some mysterious creature but if you're a Star Wars fan, you know what an ATST is, an Imperial Walker is, and even when it, they show it with these glowing red eyes, this is still it's no longer a mystery creature because we all know what it is. That that fell flat for me. Yeah, um, I mean they definitely were trying to sort of portray the the ATST as almost a a, a creature. Yes, and, and they uh, sort of wanted to have that that actual sort of vibe to it of, of having. Uh, its movement sort of being uh, very much like a monster in it. The sounds it's emitting, it's like roaring, uh, yeah. you know, like when they shoot it in, in its eye, which is just a, you know, it's an open window, isn't it? It's kind, yeah. kind of in the front of the vehicle. Yeah, that was stupid for um, me. Um, Bryce so Dallas actually, Howard, don't, don't don't direct another one, I'm saying. And and she said that she she was influenced by uh, by, by Jurassic Park and she wanted to almost portray the... Uh, as, a as a T-Rex. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. So okay. That's the big influence. Oh, it makes more they, sense they wanted now. wanted to have that sort of animalistic uh, monster quality to makes it. Makes more sense. Don't do it again. But what didn't make any sense to me is that their, their plan was to go into the enemy camp, blow, yep. up, blow up a load of stuff, and then get them to chase it and get, you know, get the ATSD to chase them uh, back to the village where they could then have a big showdown. Yep. Why not just sneak into the village and blow up the ATST without when when no one's actually in it? There you go. It? There you go. <laughs> that would be my question. There you I go. Um, I don't have the answer to that, but um, yes, we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens going forward. But um, th- this uh, th- she's she's a new character, isn't she? She recurs in a few episodes coming yeah, up. Yeah, so I think we see more of Cara Dune, and, and she's played by yeah, as I say, Gina. Carano, but yeah, she's I, I really, ex, I thought she ex was MMA star. She's great. Yeah, yeah so she her background is M- MMA, and then she's sort of branching out into sort of like action film. So she was in a great did a good movie film. called Haywire. That's right. Yeah, yeah. good movie. That Brilliant really good film. movie. I'd recommend it. She's been in Deadpool. Um, I watched the film with her, okay. in it, which is a, a sort of a very B movie. But right. but I think I think she's got a lot of charisma. Yeah, in she's it, good. Which is called in in the blood. Um, so so yeah, the saving grace for this episode for me was was. Uh, uh, introducing her as a character because I think I think I've got a lot of time time for her a lot of uh, things yeah as I say a lot of charisma whoa that can only mean one thing is it ten a minutes. from the missus telling you to come down from the loft that's ten minutes how do I stop it though I don't know how to stop it oh there you go I don't know there you go right ten minute mando done and we actually squeezed him in I wasn't even looking at the stopwatch but we managed to squeeze both in in ten minutes very good very good we'll be covering episodes five and six on next week's show but now back to the G.I. Joe action because it's time for question answered okay you posed the question Mark last week Uh, just refresh the listeners with what that question was 
So what I asked was about if you were to make it your sort of perfect G.I. Joe bound collection of gathering together those uh, first 155 issues into nice hardcover bound collections where you could put in anything you wanted to make it the, uh, the absolute uh, best uh, and most satisfying collection that you could have, what would you stick in there as nice little extras? Um, and yeah, we had quite a good response. Uh, shall I shall I run down some of the things? Yeah, that let's, let's hear what people so, said. There was a lot of love there for the uh, the adverts in the original comics. So okay. uh, there was uh, yeah a lot of people saying um, you know that those trade paperbacks um, that one of the things that people miss is actually seeing those those original adverts. It's a real nostalgic time and place. Um, you know how else would you know we as as you know kids in the UK be hearing about things like Gumby and Pokey. Um, yeah. Now, and I guess else. I guess you've already got those because you're only take are you taking out only the back cover when you bind these? Um normally I would get rid of adverts, but in this case I think it's such a part of the original package um I'm I'm going to be including them. Right. So okay. um yeah, where I don't necessarily have that nostalgic affection for some of the content um, I will just uh, take out the adverts. So when I'm doing my IDW binds, there's all of those extra pages sort of advertising, yep. uh, you know, other IDW um, content and so on. I've been taking those out just to, to fit more comics into a single bind. But yeah, for these classic Marvel ones, I'm going to leave them, leave cool. them in. So that cool. was a yeah, repeat collector and Jim Godfrey shout out to you for the, those comments. Another one was the letters pages. So a part of that original content that, that was missing from the trade paperback. There's a lot of good content in there sort of talking about the previous issues and giving a little bit of insight into some of the easter eggs and some of the no prizes about why things uh happened um yeah a lot of love coming from uh, hillby harper and scrap iron 13 for for those and, and there was actually a suggestion that maybe you could even uh reorder the letters pages so you've got the issue followed by the uh the letter page that relates to that issue interesting All right, yeah. Yeah. interesting idea uh there was a shout out to the Todd, Todd McFarlane um, issue that was never published and was um, uh, in the original run, but then was uh, published as a as a special. It was yeah originally uh, rejected because they didn't uh, they didn't like the the art in it. Um, yeah, it's been it was it was it was included in the official uh, hardcovers. So yeah, good uh, good idea. I don't know if I'll include it in my my own because yeah, one it's in those those official hardcovers and two I think it's quite expensive if I was going to buy. Oh really? Okay. Um, yeah, because because it was uh, it came out I think a couple of months after issue 155, um, and and without too much fanfare, so it had a very low uh, right. print run. So um, yeah, and and yeah, quite in quite in demand subsequently as that nice little rarity. Okay. Uh, suggestion for order of battle. I was a little bit on the fence, but uh, I, I think I will include those in my uh, in my own uh, binds. Yeah, a few people suggesting that. Um, Shout out to the Marvel Age issues that Marvel published. So Marvel used to run uh, their own little uh, sort of mini previews catalogue back in the day in the, in the 80s and so on, where they would be running little previews of, of issues that are coming up that particular month and interviews and that kind of thing. And they had the Joes on, a, on the cover a couple of times and they had some little... Uh, uh, articles about them and there was uh, yeah a couple of articles where they have meet the joes so they're sort of introducing some of the joes that are going to be coming up in the in the issues uh and yeah a sort of 
for for many people was their first introduction to to the future waves of joes and yep. at that point in time some of the names hadn't been uh, hadn't been landed on so there was a a, a reference to a headshopper as one of the future joes okay. i think became starduster yeah so jim right. jim Godfrey there giving a lot of a uh, lot of love for for the marvel age the 25th anniversary books that that came out with the figures so those were written by uh hammer uh, uh but yeah so so some of those were included in the hard covers and and so on but um i don't think i would actually introduce include them in in mine for for two reasons one i'd like quite like to just get them and, and sort of collect them in a in a uh, hardcover separately as a custom bound um and secondly i don't have that same sort of nostalgic affection for for them and and also that they are kind of of the modern era so the 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 art style that is used on them is very different to those like original wigam issues and and so on so they don't okay. feel like they they sort of quite connect with those uh those same that that original run um also a suggestion for uh the gi joe declassified issues that we talked about a little bit last last week so that was kind of a uh, a run-up to uh issue one um published by devil's due um yeah quite a good uh, good idea i've got that actually collected separately in one of my devil's due um issues okay one of the rarities in terms of the issues that i will be including is the silent prelude five page story which is only seen print in uh, snake eyes declassified trade uh, okay trade paperback so right, uh, and very 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 reminiscent of uh, the original 2021 um and and some classic art there in that in that distinctive original run style from ron wagner there's uh, so suggestions for going deep with character vehicle packaging art. Um, there's so much that could be included in respect of that, you know, yet putting on the original file cars and all the kind of stuff. Yorktown yeah. Joe had uh, had one which might be up your alley. He's just suggested these two words, Roblox recipes. Yeah, baby, love it. <laughs> so I think that that would be a little bit of work to to actually actually come up with the content uh, t- created there to actually explain it. Oh, sounds like I um, need a jingle. Block and blood again. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that would be right up your alley of creating some original robot recipe. Content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Gi Gat Gary had some great uh, suggestions. He mentioned the Transformers Generation Two, which can continued on um, the story post that uh, that crossover where the the um, some of the Joes go into into space and he takes Dr. Biggles Jones, uh, Megatron takes Dr. Biggles Jones off with him. Um, and I learned about something, uh, a nice little rarity here, which was that there's this appearance of Duke in the Amazing Spider-Man issue 268. Yeah. Um, so very distinctively duke on the on the page in that that issue of uh spider-man in his classic gear not referred to as 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 duke um but distinctively him and um that that is a suggestion that got me uh got me out onto ebay and going to pick up that issue to right. include in my my band nice well done um a suggestion for action force stuff um oh that's that's going deep and a lot of content on there um there there were some unofficial collections called the action force complete works that that um that were available via blood uh, uh blood for the baron um and uh, so i have have i have had them and i have read all of that content but i would like to go back to that and and try and create a super deluxe uh, volume at some point 
Um, and then, uh, just to round it off, David, codename Cabal, uh, gave a suggestion, which is that you go and get custom sketches in the front of the books and pointed to Michael uh, Fife's deluxe edition custom-bound books, where he went out and sought out some of the... Uh, the, the classic artist from Suicide Squad for his yeah. books that he made and, and got some uh, quality sketches in the front of them. And that isn't a concept that's uh, that's completely foreign to either of us because we've been to a many a convention trying to get some sketches. But, yes. but yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's uh, that ultimate personal touch of getting uh, ink on paper in the front of the book. Yeah, is, very is, good. Yeah, really the cherry on the top of the cake. Yeah, so yeah. plenty yeah, of food for thought there. Thanks for all of the... Uh, suggestions, lots yep. of uh, lots of ideas and lots of discussion. Here. We'll look forward to seeing the finished product uh, on that one, funky bunch. So keep us posted. But uh, right now we need to prep you, the listeners, because we ask you a question. We ask you a question. The new Talking Joe team, we're going to ask you a thing and then we're going to put some up on the socials and then you respond and we read out the answers next week. I think that rhymed fascinatingly well throughout but uh, <laughs> our question this week is you know we are in an age of collectors and fandom that is nothing new really but we've kind of all ratcheted it up to the next level now what do you know all you listeners out there who are in deep into gi joe or action figures or things like that what do your partners think about your collections of either toys or comics or memorabilia or just general stuff are, are they supportive are they in it with you or do they just kind of frown and say as long as he keeps it over there in the corner where i can't see it i don't mind so we'll um send us send us you know you know responses to what your partners think and we'll um divulge it if you do, we don't have to name you by name if you don't want to if your if your partner listens yeah. and you think you might get in trouble don't worry about that we can all keep it on the Names hush hush down low to protect the guilty yeah. yeah yeah there you go yes good stuff uh, another cracking episode i think there funky bunch good stuff yeah yeah you can find <laughs> us in all the usual can places we ask a second question which has come up with a better nickname <laughs> funky bunch uh, we can yeah anything else you think uh, funky bunch should be called uh, correct answers are funky bunch so you can find us in all the usual places that's talking underscore joe on twitter talking joe comics on instagram talking joe comics at gmail.com talking joe a gi joe facebook no gi talking joe a gi joe podcast on the facebook it's a closed group but all you got to do is just send a request we'll invite you in lots of good chat and discussion there um, if you want to help the show out you can go over to itunes and just like and give us five stars on there leave us a comment tell them you know break and replace uh, you, you can send them anything tell them tell them what your favorite sandwich is it doesn't really matter just give us five stars bumps us up the funky itunes algorithm i think you can also leave a review on stitcher as well so if you're listening on that pod player do that but um yeah another good show and um with all that said and done we will see you down the road because we've been talking joe and we're all and we're out of Joes. Out of Joes. Laters.